0: we <laughs> I'm sorry, 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 I'm i am i am i am Thank you. He's am not going to be able to that. I'm not going Because those were in Arabic Islam, and his disciples even weren't aware of it when you left, man, it was just one of I was telling you now now, and witch did the idea nothing but more they'll never come close My heart becomes free and my I'm <laughs> Thank you. you're your that We could ever be we enough for you. we never be. Jesus, the name of Jesus, the name of Every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever change. He is worthy of every breath we
1: could
0: ever be. We live for you. We know so what you oh.
1: If you'll open your Bibles with me to, to Micah, and uh, if you don't know where Micah's at, just go to Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament. You go backwards, about six books, and you'll find this little this little book called Micah. It's one of the minor prophets. He's not minor in any way. It doesn't speak of his message. It just, it's one of the smaller books, as opposed to Jeremiah, Isaiah. Um, so the book of Micah today, and we're going to be in chapter 6, uh, but I chose this because I, I wanted to share with you my heart this morning, um, and I just want to know if you feel the same way that I feel. It feels like the world that we are living in today is chaotic. It feels like we go from one crazy event to another crazy event. It feels like this world is just a mess. And right now we're kind of hyper-focused on a few things that are going on um, in the United States of America, but I just want to broaden that out and just zoom out a little bit and give you a bigger picture of just how messed up it is. Is that okay? Can we do that this morning? So so some of you probably noticed, and we've noticed for years, uh, where you have people that will defraud other people of their property, of their money, these uh, get-rich-quick schemes, or these people that uh, do the financing and people donate all their life savings to it and then find out it was a sale corporation or fraud, and, and, and these people lose their money and their property. Uh, or maybe you've heard of uh, areas of abuse, of power. Those that are in a position of authority and they set the rules for some people, those rules don't apply to themselves. Have we seen any of that lately? Maybe abuse of power from those who are in authority. Maybe bribes or kickbacks. Or how about the inside trader information that we heard about a few weeks back? You know, right before Corona started, a few people bailed a lot of their stocks and, and they didn't lose any. And you're thinking, man, there's just some messed up things here. It's like the rules don't apply to everybody equally. I mean, how about this one? It seems like today in the United States of America, lying has become a second language. You know, English. What do you speak? English, um, Spanish. I lie. I, don't, I, like, I like a rug, man. That's just my second language. lying. It seems that it's so bad today, and I say it because of the media that we see. In fact, the media is no longer interested in reporting the fact or in good journalism. But it's like they perpetuate or they make up things. As they go along, and we we'll hear this word, fake news, it wasn't in our vocabulary a few years back, but we're seeing it more and more again. It seems like there's just a lot more lying. You don't know who to believe. Footage trust. My dad used to tell me, believe none of what you hear and only half of what you see. And I would say that half of what you see now, uh, that would be, if you were still alive, you would probably change that because even some of the things that we see, we don't know if we can believe what it is that we're seeing. Amen? So, things like lying. Or, how about charlatan preachers? Oh, this one rubs me the wrong way. Those that are more concerned with building their own uh, net worth than building the kingdom of God. And soliciting the churches for another jet airplane or another big mansion, it seems like you're just around us. We've been dealing with that one for years. In it for the money. Or, how about murder? Murder seems to be the, the word of the day. Well, we've dealt with that forever in our country, but can I just tell you murder is murder? Red or yellow, black or white, they're precious in their sight. Murder is murder. Young, old, unborn, living, murder wrong. Murder seems to be crazy. How about looting? Vandalism. No respect for people's stuff. People's property. We, in our own community, we've seen that. I had someone say that they feel like that looting and vandalism is a, um, an effective way at um, protesting. I'm like, what, what, where did you get that at? But it seems like everything is just messed up. And this world is chaotic. And I don't know about you, but I don't know how I feel about that. There's a word I haven't heard in a long time, but it makes me miss. That's a politically correct way to saying it. Sounds. Yep, I'm half off. I miss, man. I see things like we saw on TV last week with a man named George Floyd who was held down. And, and listen, let's just, just understand this. that one bad egg. Not all of them fit that same profile. I got some great, great people that serve us behind a bash and love and respect them and honor them. They're not all the same, man. man. But what happens is you get one bad guy, takes the life of a man who was defenseless, who was handcuffed, and I see the, the, the things that come out, and we like, well, we don't know the, the whole story, this way till it all comes in, and when it comes in, I and mean, everybody's jumping on the other side and now hammering the police officer that did it. And let me just tell you that they're all created in the image of God. All of them are important to God. And when I see things like that, I have to ask the question, what should we do? What is the right response? How do we act? And and, and I don't know if you do like I'll do, but I think if I would have been there, what would I have done? I've heard some people, oh, I'm thinking, well, i there you I there. I mean, what if I was there, how would I have handled that? I mean, I have a huge respect and a healthy fear of those that wear the badge. And so, you know, i would you bone wrest them, tackle them, knock them off the guy just to give them a chance to breathe? And they're like, they'll take me, bro, or pepper spray, or get beaten within the instant of my life. I mean, I've heard people say, what would you do if you were there? What would I do? What's the right thing to do? Maybe you felt the same thing about all these things. What, what's the right thing to do? What should we do? The problem with that is everybody has an opinion. You can get ten people in the room and ten completely different opinions. Amen? Amen. Like what's the right thing to do? I'll tell you what we should do, and then you hear this, and you're like go somebody else responds. You're an idiot. No, what we should do is this. Or, no, 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 you got it all wrong. We should handle it this way. And we have all these forms, opinions and and truths. You have to ask the question, whose truth is the right truth? Whose opinion is the right opinion? Whose response is the right response? And it just creates chaos. It creates division. It creates frustration. And it just seems to make things worse. Maybe you feel like I do and you think about your grandchildren or maybe your small children, like what on earth are we raising our kids into? What kind of earth are we handing down to them? If you feel that way, you're not alone. A lot of people feel the same way. But as I said, it seems that everyone has this opinion or what's right or what's the perfect standard. And, And let me just tell you right now, I'm not a perfect individual, so I do not believe that I have the moral high ground Speak with authority and tell you, here's exactly what you need to do or what we need to do. And and I'll be honest with you, looking at y'all, just like I look at me, nobody's perfect. So, no one has the perfect solution. No one has the perfect truth, if you will, on how all these things should be dealt with. And I have to think if I being imperfect, if we being imperfect in Painful people feel this way. The bigger question is, how does God feel about it? How, How does God feel about injustice? And better yet, what would He do? How would He handle it? I'm so thankful that God speaks, even in times of chaos, from His Word. It may surprise you that some of the things that we see playing out before us today have been dealt with in the past before. And we can look to Scripture, and we can see exactly what God thinks or what God desires. And I think that's where we need to go to today, church, is the book of Micah, because Micah dealt with some similar things. If you have a chance later, I would encourage you to read the book of Micah. It's only uh, seven chapters, and you can divide it into thirds. The first third is the prediction of the upcoming judgment. See, these guys got so wicked. the prophet Micah was telling him, hey, God fixed him to allow you allow you to go into Babylonian captivity. He predicted it, I think it was in chapter 4, and we know from history that that is a, a real event, that it did take place. So the first third is a prediction of his judgment, chapters 1, 2, and 3, and then the second third is prediction of his restoration. He would restore them again, chapters 4 through 5, and then the lastly in chapter 6 that we're going to look at today, a plea for repentance, a plea to do the right thing. Thing. And so, uh, before we go any further, look at chapter six. Actually, let me back up and, and just give you a little idea of what was going on in Micah's time. So he dealing with wealthy oppressors. In chapter two, he says, "What sorrow awaits you who lie awake at night, thinking up evil plans?" In fact, you guys are laying up at night, just thinking of the next scheme, thinking of the next evil plan. He says, "When you want a piece of land, you find a way to seize it." When you want someone's house, you take it by fraud and violence. You feed a man of his property, stealing his family inheritance. That sounds like it happened ten years ago. This is in Micah's day. He talks about the true and the false prophet. And he's basically telling the children of Israel, uh, Judah and Israel, he says, you would rather hear a false prophet. He says it like this. You uh let me find it, he says, uh, suppose a prophet full of lies, would say to you, I'll preach to you the joys of wine and alcohol. That's just the kind of prophet you would like. You know, you surround yourself with the, 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 the preachers of the prophets that will tell you what you want to hear, but they're not true prophets. They're the false prophets. And some other people, says, you evicted women from their pleasant homes and forever stripped your children of all that God would give them. In chapter 3, he addresses the leaders of Israel. He says, you're supposed to know right from wrong, but you're the very ones who hate good and love evil. Later in chapter 3, he talks about the false prophets leading um, his people astray. In verse 11, he says, You rulers, make decisions based on bribes. You preach, teach God's law only for a price. You prophets won't prophesy unless you are paid, yet all of you claim to depend on the Lord. No harm can come to us, you say, for the Lord is here among us. And so, this is the situation that Micah has been called by God as a prophet to speak into. How I many know it's a messed up world in this time, too? God says, Micah, I need you to speak for me. And Micah steps up. Here's what he says about him. He says, But as for me. I'm filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord. I'm filled with justice and strength to boldly declare Israel's sin and rebellion. Go Micah. <laughs> Good luck. So Micah speaks boldly on behalf of God to expose the sin and the, and the coming judgment of the children of Israel. In chapter six, I want you to imagine a courtroom scene because that's what this is. It's a it's a setting is like a courtroom, and you have the plaintiff, the defendant, you have the jury, you have witnesses. And so, in this case, the plaintiff is God, and the judge is God, and the witnesses or the jury are the mountains and the hills. Listen to how he says it. He says, "Listen." to what the Lord is saying. Stand up and state your case against me. for the courtroom? Let the mountains and hills be called to witness your complaint. That's the jury. And verse 2, it says, And now, O mountains, listen to the Lord's complaint. Uh-oh. He has a case against this people. He will bring charges against Israel. Now, Jesus, or the Lord, steps up in the plaintiff's uh, position, and He's about to unload His complaints against the children of Israel. He says, Oh my people, what have I done to you? What have I done to make you tired of me? After me. And he begins to tell them the things he's done for them. He says, For I brought you out of Egypt and redeemed you from slavery. You remember that time when you were slaves in Egypt to Pharaoh, and I brought you out of Egypt and I delivered you from slavery? I, I sent Moses, Aaron, and Miriam to help you. Verse five, don't you remember, my people, how king... Balak of Moab tried to have you cursed and how Balaam, son of Beor, blessed you instead. You remember this? The, the king goes to Balaam and he says, I want, you to, I want you to curse the children of Israel. They're getting too big and they're, they're successful, so I need you to place a curse on them. And every time Balaam would try to do that, he, he, was, he was kind of conflicted in that and he ended up blessing the children of Israel. God says, don't you remember when they were wanting to curse you, and I caused him to say a blessing on you instead? You remember your journey from Acacia Grove to Gilgal, when I, the Lord, did everything I could to teach you about my faithfulness. This is the case that he's stating against Israel and Judah. And see, they had traded genuine, authentic worship for routine ritualism. They had traded God's commands in for just whatever felt right at the time, whatever they felt like doing. They just change things up. And God's making His case against them. And what do you think the verdict is in this courtroom? One that we hope we never hear. If we're on the defendant side of things, guilty. So the verdict is guilty. What do you do when you get a guilty uh, verdict? And they respond in verse 6. What can we do? Or what can we bring to the Lord? Uh Uh-oh, we're in trouble. What can we bring to the Lord? Should we bring Him burnt offerings? Ooh, now we need to bring some burnt offerings. Or oh, I got this. How about we bring year-old calves or offerings of yearling calves? Verse 7 Should we offer Him thousands of rams and ten thousand rivers of olive oil? Ooh, I got it. How about this? Should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for our sins? We recognize it. We're guilty. Before God, what should we do? Verse 8, I'm going to camp out the rest of the time there. no. O people. It's not about the burnt offerings. It's not about the yearling calves, the olive oil. It's not about your firstborn children the pay for your sins. No, O people, the Lord has told you what is good. The Lord has already told you what is upright, what is moral, what is desirable. The Lord has told you what is good. And this is what He requires of you. You remember earlier I said, I wonder what God thinks, what He would want? He's about to lay it out for them. And I mean, can I just tell you that God is I know we're a person, but he doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he felt this way then, I mean no, you know probably feels the same way with injustice today? Now, we're going to say that the, the consequences are different today than they were there. This is Old Testament. They're going to captivity. Jesus had not come yet. We are saved by grace through faith. Praise God for that, right? Jesus took our punishment and the penalty on him. But I have to remind myself that He doesn't change and He felt that way then. He probably feels that way today about all the injustice that is going on in our lives personally and even greater in our country today. So what does He require of us? I think that He states this here in the next verse that you've probably seen on t-shirts. You've probably seen on bumper stickers. You've probably seen it somewhere. It's a, it's a cool little thing. It says what? Do justice. Love mercy and walk humbly with your God. The New Olden Translation, puts it this way, to do what is right, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. So let's break that down for a couple of moments. What is justice? I think there's been a lot of people that have tried to speak a lot of social justice. But, and I get kind of tired of hearing that term because I, it's, it's almost like it's only focused on one specific area. But just in a nutshell, what justice is, Uh, The Hebrew word is mischad and it means the judgment that is involved in determining, uh, the determining of rights and the assignment of rewards and punishment. Okay, that's kind of a little confusing. So, it's doing the right thing. It's equity. It's fairness. It's making sure that the rules apply to everyone equally. That's justice. And so when we see an injustice, it's because someone's rights were uh, trampled on or taken away. If they weren't treated... Fairly, Someone's rights were violated. Uh, they were treated unfairly uh, in action or treatment. So he says, listen, this is what I want from you. I want justice. I want you to do what's right. I want you to act with moral rightness. The moral principle determining just conduct. You know, everybody has this this code, I think, uh, of, of the way they, they should live a life. And I think that we need to have a biblical worldview because it states our conduct, our code. And if you don't use God's Word as as, as a foundation, then guess what? It's just every man, every woman for themselves. If whatever feels right is what you're going to end up doing. He says, look, there's, there's a justice and it's to do the right thing. According to whose standard? God's standard. He, God he says, I've already told you what to do. This is what the Lord requires. Do justice. Do the right thing. On a personal level, do the right thing. Secondly, he says, love mercy. That's an act of kindness. It's unfailing love. It's loyalty. It's goodness. It's benevolence. It's godly action. He says, listen, I want you to love mercy. Do justice. That is, live in a way that is fair with everyone. Treat everyone the same. Some of us need to go back and read James chapter 2 to be reminded about uh, the warning against prejudice. We tend to look at one people and say, the rules, and I do, I've done this where it says, you know what they should do? They should do this and this and this. they should pay for this, whatever they did. But whenever I myself make the mistake, like, oh, hey, hang on. that seems a little harsh to me. Anybody else do the same thing? To do justice just means like that the, the rules apply to every, everyone equally. It doesn't matter red, yellow, black, or white. It doesn't matter young or old. The rules are fair. And in many cases, in many of the Old Testament verses, there's, One after another verse where God says, I will plead the case of the widow. I will uphold, I'll I'll see that she gets justice, that she's treated fairly. Just be fair with one another. Love mercy. Be kind. Show compassion. Show benevolence. I think it's one of the things that we need to be challenged on now in the Christian faith is just this act of kindness, especially when we see things going out and and playing out before us on TV and the media. We we tend to get kind of mean. And kind of talking towards what's going on. It's like we just forget kindness. You know, we, we don't know everything. That, that person has a, a, a spouse. That person has a, a life. That person is created in the image of God. And they matter to him. We may be upset with what we see them doing or not doing. But they matter to God. And we start to talk about it. And we discuss it amongst ourselves. And we go on social media platforms. And if you don't agree with me, you're an idiot. And then boom, there's an distinction, right? And kindness feels at the line. God says, Well, work for me. I just do justice. Love, mercy, love kindness. And thoroughly, walk humbly with your God, pure, careful, living cautiously To be lowly, submissive, or modest. He says, how hey, you humble yourself? Did you get a little cocky when you walk before God. So humble yourself. And, and, and here's how he put it in chapter two. He says, but this is what the Lord says. I will reward your evil with evil. You won't be able to pull your neck out of the noose. You will no longer walk around proudly. That's what they were doing. Walking around with their heads in the air. Like, we know what's up. He says, you will no longer walk around proudly for it will be a terrible time. He's about to humble them, but he says what God wants is for us to walk humbly with Him. It's not about me. I don't have it all figured out. Can I just ask you a question, church? Do you have it all figured out? We don't, right? We, we don't have all things figured out. He does, and I'm thankful for that. But that's for me, when it comes to my walk, when it comes to this journey to Christianity, He says, walk humbly with God. Lower yourselves. Don't act like you've got it all figured out. Just humble yourselves. Walk in a way that is cautiously with God because God is powerful now, i think what is a humbling thing to me is I consider this this this, passage, this whole book, this prophecy, and how intimidating it would be to be dragged into a court of law and God is the plaintiff and the judge, and on the other side is me. Or maybe you think yourselves and they figure out, like, how, how you know that would be very intimidating? It's like, whoa. So we see what's going on around there, but what if we just make it a little bit more close to home and say, all right, God, what is you drug me into the celestial court And you brought your case against me. How would I look? Whoo, that scared me. That caused me to humble myself and realize, you know what? I'm not perfect. I don't have it all figured out. So I think if there's a message for us today is we need to get back to God's prescription for injustice. And on a personal level, if we want to change the world, we have to change it first. We're change up first. We've got to yield to him and do things differently than we've been doing it. And his prescription for injustice is what? Do justice. You do justice. Love mercy and walk humbly with your God. Verse 8 is summarized. He summarized for the people then justice and equity tempered with mercy and compassion as a result of humble and obedient relationship with him. Let me say that again because I think that, uh, it applies to us today. Here it is an image, still justice and equity, that's fairness, tempered with mercy and compassion as a result of a humble and obedient relationship with Him. To humble ourselves before God and say, God, how would you want me to respond in this situation? What would you have me do? So what does this look like for you? Think about this and encouraged, I you don't know, want this to be, you feel like it's a broad, I just feel like this is, it's timely for our country today. And especially for the, 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 the church. This is timely. And the encouragement is, is, we have a God that loves us, He restores us, and He, He shows us things as far as away, the as the east is from the west. You, like you come to me, I know a lot of out." but know, we have this encouragement today that He's the ultimate restorer. And so I, I plead to Him, and I, and, and I go to Him, and and, and I believe he's calling us also to this, this restoration. Like, Come, just change, change the way we're looking at things and look at this from a different perspective. So what does this look like for you? How do you respond? Can I just say, start with yourself. I can't affect Minneapolis, Minnesota. I, I wasn't there. I'm not going to be here tomorrow. I can't fix that. I can think about it. I can get upset about it. Righteous indignation about it. And not just that, but all the other things I mentioned earlier, But I can control those things. I can control what goes on in my little heart first. And when I do that, then that affects my family and that affects my community, the church, and so on and so forth. So we start with, uh, we take a look at ourselves, put ourselves, if you will, in the courtroom before God. If that sounds familiar, there's a psalmist that says, Search me, O God, and know my heart today that see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So, God, search our hearts. God, search our hearts. See if there's any wickedness in us. Start with, uh, okay, here's a little practical thing that, that we can apply uh, today. Uh, scripture says, Be quick to listen, slow to speak. Let me say that again slow to speak, and slow to become angry. It says, The anger of man does not bring the righteous life that God requires. We have got to be careful with what we say with these things right here loose, live, think, this. He says, Be very careful quick to listen, two ears, one mouth, slow to speak, because the anger of man does not bring about the righteous life that God requires of us. What does he want? Do justice You must be humbly with him. Righteousness. So is anger kind of short circuits all of that. In a practical way, some things that we could do is I would say be careful how we respond.
0: <laughs>
1: I'm going to tell you, there, there are times when I see something posted on Facebook and I get my little fingers warmed up. And I'm like, ooh, ooh, watch this, But I'm about to unload. And then I realize I'm the pastor of living water. And I go, ooh. I got back top that a minute. Careful, James. I almost lost it for a second. But I know some people that don't have that filter. They don't have that e-brake, you know. <laughs> Pump the brakes
0: there. You didn't let it fly.
1: Be careful how you respond. You may need to delete a comment. Well, I'm not speaking to anybody specifically, but if it's you, really, come on. You know, you might have to go back and go, maybe that was a little harsh. I jokingly have said in the past, like, you know, we walk by, I mean, the truth is, we walk in the Spirit, we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And I have jokingly said that you better catch me on the day when I'm walking in the Spirit if you're going to come get dirt to me, because the old flesh in wants to put up the deuce and fight, right? What happened? I got punched in the face by a pastor. Apparently, he's not walking in the Spirit today. That's just normal. I I'm, mean, I'm, I'm, I'm being honest with you. We're, we're, we're human beings and we do that. But the reality is, when all of us do it, amen? Sometimes we don't think about what we say and we say it and we put it out there and we just cause more to be. We put more gasoline on a fire. And some of you, that might be your spiritual gift. I'm just joking with you. I'm just, uh, don't do it. Be fair. Treat everyone the same regardless of skin color, financial situation that they may be in, the clothes they wear, the of town they grew up on. God is no respect of persons, neither should we be. Be fair. Be justice. Be kind. Don't be rude. If someone disagrees with you, Be truth, but do it in love. Don't throw gasoline on the fire. It's already out of control. Can we all agree that it's already out of control? what we need is some peacemakers to arise in the church today. We need the peacemakers to step up and say, hey, this is an injustice. And we've got to fix this. But before we go out in a, in a campaign to try to fix others, let's fix ourselves first. Because one day we're going to stand before God and we're going to have to give account for our life, not what was going on around us. And what was in our case. Well, God, at the time, I felt like, um, because of what was going on socially around me, that this is the way we should have responded. Again, we're like, well, why did do you respond? Dude, how did you respond? Do justice, be kind, and be humble. You don't have it all figured out. I don't have it all figured out. The liberal institution where you received your education is not the final authority either. Amen? Some people need to hear that. And when we don't lean on God's Word is the final authority. We've got to be careful because we'll, we'll default to humanism, we'll default to philosophy, we'll default to the flesh, and we're always going to get a wrong result when we, we do that. So we have to get God's Word central and it's the ultimate authority. Amen? So, one equalizer God is the, the ultimate authority. And we stand before him and we're like, All right, you can't tell God he's wrong dare you. No, I don't dare you. Don't do it. But I mean, we're not going to do that, right? He's holy. He's perfect. He's a righteous judge. And so, i say okay, we have got to get back to the foundation. We, we start there. But we start with us first. Let us do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. And as we allow Him to work through us, then in love and in kindness and compassion and in mercy be his hands and feet. Well, let's see if we can clean up some of the other injustices in the world. Now, if you're here today and you've not placed your faith in Christ, and you don't have the Holy Spirit of God living in you. And I'll say that to be mean, but the reality is is when we are saved, the Bible says the Holy Spirit moves in us. He says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit of God that dwells in you? And let me tell you what happens when the Holy Spirit moves in. Remember that e a couple talked I mean ago? And he, he, he starts saying, hey, son, hey, ooh, ooh. well, don't, don't do that. I know you're tempted, but he just kind of helps you pump the break we need the Spirit, and the Spirit's going to bear witness with the truth that this is the right thing to do. I don't know what God wants me to do. Hey, the Spirit leads us. He, 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 he said, hey, this is the, the truth. This is how I want you to respond in this situation. If you've not placed your faith in Christ, you don't have the Holy Spirit. You're probably going to respond the wrong way. And so can I tell you, the most important decision you make is what you do with the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you trust in Him? Do you recognize your own brokenness and need for Him? Have you yielded to Him for salvation? And Lord, I obviously can't fix myself, and I just trust You for salvation. You and You alone. Now, Holy Spirit, come and live in me and guide me and help me be who You want me to be. Help me to make a difference. Listen, we need some Jesus up in here. Amen? Our world needs Jesus today. And we can ask Him how to bring peace and healing to a, a broken and a hurting world. And we so desperately, desperately need it. Even so, Lord, we'll come quickly. I know some of us have said that. And we see all the junk going on our world today. But I just want to speak to us on an individual basis today. What is it that God wants? What is it that He desires from us? Do justice. Do the right thing. Be fair. Love and mercy. Be kind and Walk humbly with the God. Humble yourself before the mighty hand of God, and He will exalt you. And do. I hope it speaks to you as perhaps to me. Would you pray with me, Father? I humble myself before you today, and I recognize that I don't always handle things the way I should. I don't always see things the way I should. But I do acknowledge that you're the ultimate source of truth. You're the righteous, holy Judge. Your standard is the standard, not humanism, not philosophy, not a liberal education, not the world system or our flesh, but you are the ultimate source of truth. So, Father, I just reminded of how you responded to Solomon's prayer and he dedicated the temple to you and you said, If my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from the wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven To forgive their sin and heal their land. Father, we need for you to heal our land. Father, we need to recognize our need to seek your face, to turn from our own wicked ways, so that you will hear from heaven and forgive us, Lord, as you heal our land. Lord, we ask you humbly in Jesus' name.